Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. Here is your host, Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. I am your host, Justin Strawn. I am happy to be back after an extended break. Sorry I did not come back last week. Uh, Things came up and I just didn't get a chance to record last week as I had originally planned, but I am back and in full swing this week. So, Good to be back with you guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in wherever you may be today. We have a good show lined up for you like we always do. We'll be talking SEC Media Days, Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead's crew will be taking the podium at 1.30 p.m. Central Time today. You can watch it live on SEC on the SEC network. So if you are looking for something to watch, if you're wanting to follow it live, you can do so there. Mississippi State will be taking Errol Thompson, Daryl Williams, and Farad Green with them to SEC Media Day. So that's what we're going to be discussing here in just a minute. But before we do that, let's talk about our sponsor. If you're a golfer and you live in the Greater Memphis area, you're probably just like me looking for the best opportunity for you to spend your golfing time wisely. Well, why not look and check out Cherokee Valley Golf Course? My son and I golf there almost every single time we go out, and it's a great course whether you're a skilled golfer looking for a challenge or if you're a beginner somewhat like me and just trying to learn how to play the game. My son and I have been playing there for years, and we would highly recommend it. They've done a great job of keeping the course maintained. It's a beautiful course, lots of wonderful practice facilities, no reason that you shouldn't be out there honing your game. So if you're in the Olive Branch area or in the Greater Memphis area, give Cherokee Valley Golf Course a look and go ahead and tell them I sent you. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course. You can call them at 662-893-4444 or you can book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the show. Like I said, we are mainly discussing SEC Media Days, which take place today on the SEC Network. We will also discuss uh, some breaking news that happened yesterday. If you did not hear, Van Studeman was released from her duties as the head softball coach of Mississippi State. So I'm going to discuss that a little bit here at the end. But for right now, let's go ahead and look at what Mississippi State has in store for them as they go into SEC Media Days. Now, always, what's always the case whenever you go into SEC Media Days, the person who has the most attention, the person who has the most intrigue is always the head coach, Joe Moorhead. He's going into a SEC Media Days with a season under his belt. Last year, there was a lot of questions about, you know, what's it like being in the South, being since he was from the North, uh, what's the food like? You had a lot of nonsense questions, and that was really just to be expected simply because Joe Moorhead didn't have any head coaching experience, and he didn't have any head coaching experience here in the Deep South. And now he has that, and now we have a season that was – really for all intents and purposes was a little bit disappointing and there will be questions about that i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of questions about if mississippi state is going to if mississippi state is going to be able to improve upon last year's mark was last year a was last year a a disappointment because he always has this talk about championship standard so that's probably going to be something that they ask 
Joe Moorhead a lot about this year is, you know, are you, what are you doing to achieve that championship standard? What are you doing to try to make Mississippi State a more relevant, more a more competitive program within the, the confines of the SEC? Because I'll be real honest, I, it's this is a this is an a year that is very much a transition year. I was on a show in college in the college station area that covers the Texas A&M Aggies and you know they were asking me you know what's to be expected this year and you know it's really difficult to figure out what's to be expected because one of the things that Joe Moorhead is going to be asked about is going to be asked about the quarterback situation there he didn't bring any quarterbacks with him he didn't bring Keaton Thompson he didn't bring Tommy Stevens he didn't bring either one of them because to bring one would say basically say all right here's our starter so they're avoiding that for right now but for all intents and purposes this job this quarterback position is Tommy Stevens to lose and I know that makes a lot of people upset but that's going to be something he's going to be asked about quite a bit and that's going to be something that they talk about quite a bit so you know that's a that's a big deal going this we're we're in a transition from from the Nick Fitzgerald era into either a temporary holding pattern with Tommy Stevens or into the Keaton Thompson era. So, and we don't really know. Now, look, like I said, this is going to be Tommy Stevens' job to lose. I know a lot of people keep saying, a lot of people don't want to hear that because they are very loyal to Keaton. A lot of it has to do with the fact that he stepped in in a difficult situation during his freshman season, finished out that Egg Bowl, and then won that bowl game against Louisville in the Tax Slayer Bowl, the Gator Bowl, whatever it's called. And that was a big deal because Dan Mullen had left, and nobody expected Mississippi State to win that game. And the Bulldogs, he kind of rallied the team together and pulled out a victory that no one was expecting. And a lot of people, you know, became so immediately attached to Keaton, they don't really want to hear about Tommy Stevens coming in. So they're going to talk about, they're going to ask about Tommy Stevens. They're going to ask about Keaton Thompson. And Joe Moorhead's not going to have a whole lot to say. He's going to say, you know, there's competition. Nobody has won the, nobody's been given the starting job yet. And those things will be technically true. But the reason that Tommy Stevens is coming is because the only reason that he has to be coming is because he doesn't, Joe Moorhead just doesn't have faith that Keaton Thompson is ready to run this offense. And he might not ever be ready to run this offense. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, Keaton Thompson can win this job. Yes, he can. But if Keaton Thompson wins this job, that's a huge red flag to me. Because for what Joe Moore has seen for basically about 18 months from Keaton Thompson, from the spring of 2018, and really I guess you could probably go back to to bowl practice as well. I'm sure – I know he saw – things going he was he observed some bowl practices and things like that but for about 18 months now Joe Moore had seen Keaton Thompson go out and not be able not give him the confidence that he needs for Joe Moorhead to think that Keaton Thompson can run that offense and if he wins the job then that means Tommy Stevens wasn't anywhere close to doing what he was able to do so like I said we just we just don't that's going to be a big question, and he's going to say all these things about how it's still a competition and stuff. But that's going to be the biggest question going into this. And the real answer is, look, it's it's Tommy Stevens or this offense is going to be a bit of a train wreck. I just don't see it any other way because, you know, I, I like Keaton Thompson. You know, I was just as big a fan of his after Mississippi State won the Gator Bowl back in 2018. Sorry, 2017. But right now he doesn't – 
right now the coaching staff is not inspired by his play and if he doesn't and if if he wins the job that tells me Tommy Stevens really struggled and he was not anything close to what Joe Moore had expected so that that's going to be one of the things they talk about other things that they talk they'll talk about you know the players the players they're bringing, there's not going to be a ton of questions asked. The one who will probably garner the most attention will be Errol Thompson. Errol Thompson is probably going to be in his final season with Mississippi State. The way that he has improved and the strides forward he has made ever since he arrived in Starkville has been – it's been like a second coming of Bernardrick McKinney. I really kind of think Errol Thompson is probably better than – than Bernardrick McKinney. Bernardrick McKinney was a really good linebacker. But Errol Thompson, I think, has become an elite-level linebacker. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the game. And I think he will garner the most attention from the players that are brought to SEC Media Days. I think that he'll be the one that people have the most questions for. And they will ask him about things like, you know, how is this defense going to – how are they going to make up for the losses of three first-round draft picks? And that's going to be something that Joe Moorhead will be asked as well. But I think most of the questions to Joe Moorhead will be will be offensive-related since he's the guy who is responsible for Mississippi State's offense. But Errol Thompson will probably be asked those things as well. He'll be asked about, you know, how do you make up for losing Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, Jonathan Abram? You know, how are they how are they going to do that? And he'll 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 answer their questions and he'll be as diplomatic and everything as possible. You know, he'll mention, you know, Chauncey Rivers is likely going to step up and fill in for Montez Sweat and not miss a beat. He'll probably say the thing about Brian Cole. He'll say about the same thing about some of the guys that are being plugged in up the middle for for Jeffrey Simmons. So those are the things that he'll be asked about. Daryl Williams and Farad Green, I don't expect a ton of questions for them. Daryl Williams is probably going to be an NFL draft pick. I don't remember if Daryl Williams, what is he? Is he a senior? I think he's a senior. Let me check that real quick. Yeah, he's a senior going into this year. So he'll be asked about, you know, what does he need to do to get to the draft and things like that. But let's be honest, most people aren't wanting to talk to an offensive lineman unless there is some type of buzz about them being a first-round draft pick or something like that going into the season. And while I do expect Daryl Williams to be a draft pick, I don't think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Farad Green, though, is the interesting one. He's not one that I expected to be picked. I kind of thought that they might go with another player along the defense, maybe go with Willie Gay, maybe go with Chauncey Rivers, uh, maybe go with Brian Coles. Some of those guys, I thought they might go with another defensive player. But they go with Farad Green, who is a tight end who hasn't – who has – who, when on occasion, has had a couple of nice, a couple of nice catches, a couple of nice things that he's done in his career, but for the most part, he's never had just a standout season. I mean, the most he is, the most receptions he's ever gotten in a game, he got them, he got it three times, and he he caught three passes in one game on three separate occasions. And that's the most he's ever had. The last time he did it was against Texas A&M in 2017. The most receiving yards he's ever had came against Charleston Southern in the 2017 opener, and that was the opening play of the game in which Nick Fitzgerald hit him. Well, I guess it was kind of a slant pattern or something like that, and he took it down to about the two or three yard line in the game against Charleston Southern. The most receiving touchdowns he's ever had in a game is one. Uh, the, so, I mean, this is what 
Frogerine's head. And to be honest, the tight end position as a whole has been disappointing. We just haven't had anything from the tight end position, with the exception of maybe a little bit from Malcolm Johnson in 2014. But that was that's been about it. So the fact that they're bringing a tight end, maybe they are finally going to figure out a way to work it to the tight end. And I guess this kind of gives you an idea on, you know, you kind of think Farrah Green is the leader going into the 2019 season to be the starting tight end since they're taking him. Because that was one of the questions that people had, you know, who is going to be the tight end. And that wasn't, it's not even that really big of a question just because people haven't really discussed the tight end position all that much. So like I said, it's interesting the fact that they brought those three players. Uh, Errol Thompson makes a lot of sense. Daryl Williams kind of makes sense. Farad Green, it raises your eyebrow just because it makes you think that they are trying to figure out a way to work the tight end in. Maybe with Tommy Stevens coming in, maybe they believe that he will understand the offense and know what, how the tight end is supposed to be utilized in the Joe Moorhead offense. And, figure out a way to actually get that position involved. And Farad Green might be on his way to a big year. It'd be great if he was because the tight end position has just been non-existent for the past 10 seasons for the most part. Like I said, we had a little bit of production from it when Malcolm Johnson was doing it in from 2012 through 2014. But outside of him, there's really not been much. And like I said, Malcolm Johnson didn't have a ton of production. They He ended up getting drafted by the Cleveland Browns, but they tried to convert him into a fullback. I don't even know if he's still in the NFL, to be honest with you right now. So, like I said, look, SEC Media Days, it is what it is. It's To me, it's pretty pointless. I mean, nobody's going to give – nobody is going to – give any real type of answer. Nobody's really going to say anything that makes a huge thing, you know, that really is going to draw headlines. And if it does, it's typically for the wrong reasons. You know, you think back to the 2016 season, the SEC media's leading up to it were all about Dan Mullen bringing in Jeffrey Simmons and that video that got posted before the 2016 season and how could Mississippi State do that? How could they allow somebody with that type of a black mark against them? And it turned out to be the right call. You can still argue that they didn't punish him harsh enough. You could make that argument, but to bring him onto campus, the fact that they believed everything that they said that was said about him, that he, you know, this was an out-of-character moment, it was not something that's typical of Jeffrey Simmons, that all turned out to be true. That was absolutely 100% positive and correct that he was that was not who Jeffrey Simmons was but that was what was talked about and it, like I said it was it was something that was talked about and it was a negative thing to be talked about anything that really draws headlines and draws people's attention during media days if it's going to do that it is typically because of something negative you might have a player who goes out and says something you know that really dr- turns people's head like you know oh I think we're going to win all 12 games this year. We're making a run to the to the title or something like that. You, you might hear things like that, but for the most part, like I said, the sound bites you get, they're just not, they're really not all together that interesting. So I don't expect, I expect that to be the case for Mississippi State as they go into SEC Media Days today. You probably won't hear too much. Uh, you'll probably have some reporters who will try to ask questions to get answers that will maybe draw a few more headlines but for the most part you're you're not going to get much out of Joe Moorhead or the three players going 
to media days in Birmingham today. So it is what it is. Uh, if, if you're interested in it, it will be there for you. Like I said, Mr. State will take the podium. At, Joe Moorhead will take the podium at 1.30. Probably the more interesting thing will be how the team is discussed in on the SEC network. Because what they typically do at the SEC network is after – Joe Moorhead's time is up because he gets 30 minutes in front of the large room, and then they take him into the internet room, local media, and stuff like that. But what will happen is after they do that 30 minutes, the crew of the SEC Network will then start to discuss Mississippi State and what their future is, and it's really difficult to get a grasp on that. So let's kind of take a look at that real quick. You know, what is the future for Mississippi State in 2019? When you look at that schedule, what are you – what do you expect? You know, I kind of think seven. Seven wins kind of sounds about right for Mississippi State in 2019. You think the four non-conference games you should win. Yeah, you got a you got a power five opponent on there. You got Kansas State on your on your schedule. But the good thing about that is they're in a transition year. You beat them pretty easily last year, and they're in a transition from a from one head coach to another head coach, and you like you got to like your chances against them this year. I, I just don't see Kansas State doing much of anything this year. They're, they, they might eventually get to the point where they were a pretty decent team like they have been in the past under Bill Snyder, but I don't think this is the year that that is going to happen. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why Isaiah Zuber decided to leave and come to Mississippi State. So you don't expect to see too much out of the Wildcats this year. So you should win your four non-conference games. Then you got to take a look at the SEC portion of the schedule. Who can you beat? Who can you not beat? You feel pretty confident about Ole Miss. You feel pretty confident that the the four game road winning streak is coming to an end in the Egg Bowl because the last four Egg Bowls have been won by the road team. You feel pretty good that that's going to come to an end this year. Maybe Ole Miss will get to the point where they're a you know a decent competitive team. But I just don't see that happening this year. They're they're going to be in a huge transition from the Hugh Freeze slash whatever the old OC's name was. I can't remember his name now. But from the basically the air raid attack where we're throwing it and chunking the ball, you know, 40, 50 times a game. We're going in. They're going into a the Rich Rod area, which is a lot more similar to what we saw under Dan Mullen. You're going to have running quarterbacks. You're going to have read options, things like that. So that's what you're going to see a lot with with Ole Miss going forward in the future, especially with Rich Rodriguez. And they, they have a what should be a competent defensive quarter now, but there's going to be a lot of transition, and it's going to be a very difficult transition for them this year. So you feel pretty good about the Egg Bowl. You feel pretty good about Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is – They'll probably be better, uh, but they're just kind of hoping to get the five wins this year. You know, if they can win four games, their four non-conference games, and then just find one win in SEC play, that's probably a successful season for Arkansas this year. And, you know, Mississippi State shouldn't be one of those games. Now, it will be in Fayetteville this year, so that could make things a little bit trickier. They could be have some things worked out by the time they get to that game. But I don't expect – if Arkansas is looking for an SEC win, I don't think it's against Mississippi State. I think it's probably against Ole Miss. So you'll feel pretty too good about those two games. So that takes you to six wins at that point. If you get those two plus the four non-conference, you're going to a bowl. Now, where can you get a seventh or an eighth? The most likely candidate is Kentucky. Kentucky has did lose a lot from a 
team that went nine and three, went to the Citrus Bowl last year, one of their best seasons in a number of years, probably going back to the Tim Couch days, probably the best, most successful season since that era. So you feel pretty good about them coming back to Starkville. They will be in a little bit of a rebuilding mode. You think that you've got a pretty good chance there. So if you can get that one, that takes you to seven. You look at Tennessee. Tennessee, I don't know what to make of Tennessee this year. Maybe they can get a win up there. I think that the Locks can. I think, I think, look, I'm not sold on Jeremy Pruitt. I was really thinking maybe they made a solid hire in Jeremy Pruitt when they went into those final two games of the year, five and five, and then they just absolutely laid an egg in their final two games against Missouri and against Vanderbilt and didn't qualify for a bowl. That was, you know, that to me that said a lot about Jeremy Pruitt because at that point you should have been in position to at least beat Vanderbilt. Okay, you don't beat Missouri. Missouri turned out to be a pretty decent team, but you should have beaten Vanderbilt in that in that particular season last year and like I said that to me said a lot about Jeremy Pruitt look he may end up learning from that experience and being able to find a way to rally his team and move on from losing to Missouri and Vanderbilt in the final two games and not qualifying for a bowl but it said a lot to me so I think you can get to eight you could get to nine I think nine is probably the ceiling because between Texas A&M Auburn Alabama and LSU if you can find a way to win one of those games You've got a chance to get to nine, and you could get to ten. I, look, look, I just don't know what to expect of this team just because of the fact that we don't know what this offense is going to be with – because, like I said, I'm pretty sure I know what's going to be if it's if Keaton Thompson's the quarterback. If Keaton Thompson's the quarterback, I don't expect that to be – I expect it to be very similar to last year. You do well against against bad defenses. You, you know, you do well against the four non-conference opponents. You do pretty well against Ole Miss and Arkansas. But the other six teams, it's going to be a bit of a toss-up about how well they do. But if Tommy Stevens wins it, then it becomes a complete unknown. Does it look more like it did with Joe Moorhead at Penn State? Because if that's the case, then you can kind of throw out any type of expectation because the defense is still going to be good. It's not going to be good like it was last year, but it's still going to be good. But if Tommy Stevens can make this offense look anything like it did when Joe Moorhead was in, was at Penn State, then, like I said, you can throw the, the preseason expectations out the window because then you open up all kinds of new possibilities. You know, Texas A&M, Auburn, and LSU, those look really like really tough Ws right now. If the offense can look anything like it did under Joe Moorhead when he was at Penn State, then those three games become a lot more winnable. Will they do it? I don't know. Like I said, it's it's just such an unknown. I mean, Tommy Stevens could end up being a much better quarterback, but does he have the receivers that can actually catch the ball? Isaiah Zuber, I think, will help with that, but I don't know if – I honestly don't know if – they're going to get enough from any of the other receivers. Maybe this was all, maybe the last two years was all Nick Fitzgerald and him just not being able to throw the football. And that's the reason that the Bulldogs struggled so, so badly at the wide receiver position. But I don't think it was, I think it was, I think it was a combination of the two. I'll be, I'll say that. I think it was a, a combination of, of the Bulldogs having poor receiving play and a combination of having poor quarterback play at least in terms of throwing the football so like i said that's it's such an unknown and it's so hard to figure out what this team is going to be 
in 2019 just because of the fact I don't know how this offense is going to operate with Tommy Stevens as the quarterback. I just don't. I don't know what he can be. Look, he looked good at the Manning Passing Academy. Everything about this, about what he did at the Manning Passing Academy, tells us that he's going to play well. He's going to throw well. But we've got to see it before we can know 100% for certain. So, like I said, we'll we'll keep watching we'll keep we'll keep we'll keep looking but for right now you know it's just an unknown and we'll see how it ends up playing out by the time the season is over all right i do want to talk about van Sudeman, like i said at the beginning of the show i don't know if i don't know exactly what happened here because this is really weird van Sudeman was released from her duties as the head softball coach at mississippi state it's there will eventually be something that will come out about uh who her replacement is and things like that. But I honestly don't know. The timing of it is weird. I'm, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The, the timing of it is just strange because Mississippi State's last game, let me find their last game. It's been at least a month, if not longer, since Mississippi State last played a softball game. Uh, Their last game was in the NCAA tournament, and it was against Washington on May 19th. So, right about a month. Today is July 17th, so it's basically been one month since Mississippi State played. Normally, when you have a coaching change, and when you're going to make a coaching change, that change is typically made a day or two after the season is over. You would expect, you know, since they were out at Seattle, Washington, Mississippi State would have had to make the trip back home on... Sunday night, probably, I would imagine John Cohen met with Van Studeman on like the Tuesday after, so like May 21st. That's probably when he actually met with with Van Studeman. He probably met with her then and discussed, you know, the upcoming season and results of the season. And that point, you, that's kind of when you expect the decision to have been made. But we find out basically one month later that the Bulldogs are making a change in their softball coach. So I don't understand the timing of it. Now, this is just me speculating. This is So don't go out and say you heard me say that this is what happened, but this is just me speculating. My kind of thinking is John Cullen probably was okay with letting Van Studeman come back as the head coach and continue as her role as the head coach, but he probably had a short list of candidates that if he could convince to take the job, that he would have made a change. And I kind of think that's might, might be what has happened here is somebody that he would have liked to have replaced her with. If he could get that person, he, it ended up working out for them. Okay. So that's kind of what I think happen in this instance now i don't know like i said the way that will be confirmed is if you're listening to this on wednesday and probably by friday we have a new coach hire announced then that's kind of what i think if it goes if this goes into next week or the week after next and there is no new hire then coach cohen then john cohen just decided to make a change and just really decided to wait to wait on it so like i said i don't understand exactly the timing of it but if you want to know whether or not it was the right or the wrong call, look, it's it was a tough call. Let me just say this. Mississippi State has had a lot of success in their softball program ever since 
Van Suderman took over, they have become a consistent tournament team in the last few seasons. Uh, but, you know, it becomes an instance of, you know, where do you want to be as a softball program? They were a, they were a, they were a tournament team. They won, they went twice the last, the, the NCAA tournament. I think the past three seasons, possibly even more than that, but I don't uh, remember one hundred percent. But they weren't getting the job done in SEC play. Their their record in SEC play was sixty nine and one twenty seven. So uh, you look at that. I think they played a total of twenty. I'm trying to think. They played 24 games, if I'm not mistaken, in SEC play. And, uh, that is, yeah, I guess that's right. And of those 24, 24 games, her average record was typically about, like, uh, I'm trying to think, like, five and a no, I can't remember. Anyway, it wasn't. It's not good. She won about a third of her SEC games. Is what I'm trying to say. So basically, about eight and sixteen is what it, is what it boils down to. Now they were making the tournament, but they were always finishing towards the bottom of the SEC play. Look, the SEC might be the the strongest sport that SEC might have is softball, and that's saying quite a bit with the success they have in football, with the success, with the success they have in college baseball. They're probably strongest in, in, in softball. The last two seasons, maybe even the last three seasons, every SEC team made the NCAA tournament. That's that's the difficult road you are trying to tackle when you're trying to compete in the SEC. Mississippi State was one of those teams. But while they've been able to compete outside of the SEC, while they've made it to NCAA tournaments, while they have been able to compete with the top teams away from the SEC, they haven't been able to compete with those SEC teams, with the teams in the conference. And that has been the problem. And that is the reason that Mississippi State is making a change. And that's, and they just decided, like I said, to go ahead and make this change now. How long of a timetable it is before they actually change before they announce a, a new hire and going in this coaching change, I think it will determine whether or not just how much he understood how much of a how much he knew in advance that he had a, a coach in place already. So, like I said, we'll just kind of wait and see. But look, I like Van. She was one of the more personal, more easily easy to relate to coaches that Mississippi State had on staff. She would talk to anybody. She would go on anybody's show. So, like I said, from a personal perspective, I really like Van, but you know, I can. I think there was a case to be made for keeping her, but I think there was also a case to be made for making a change. And John Cohen decided to go ahead and make that change this year. So, like I said, I'll be interested to see how they, when, and who they hire. Look, I'm not going to try to give you names. I don't know softball coaches' names. I don't know who they could bring in. My guess is it's probably going to be an assistant from somewhere else, but I could be wrong about that. But so we'll see. Uh, let's just see what he does here because this will be an interesting hire just because of the timing and everything else that goes along with it. So, all right, guys, uh, going forward until football season starts, I kind of think I'm just going to do one show a week. I might do two, I don't know. We'll just kind of wait and see. Uh, I'm uh, I've said this in the past if you followed me for any amount of time, you know, I'm not a fan of off season content, I'm not a fan of trying to you know, make up lists and things like that, mainly because it's the same thing that everybody else says. And I don't want to, I'd like to do something original if I'm going to do something. So 
like I said, I just I probably won't do too much in terms of off-season content until the season actually starts, probably that week before Labor Day. That's probably when I return to two shows. I might do two shows a week if something pops up and I think it's warranted. But for right now, I think we're just going to stick with one show a week. But if there's ever a reason I need to do two shows in a week, I will do that until we get to football season. So I appreciate you guys tuning in, as always. And until next time, hail state.